And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, just like a Murillo Crossfield ball. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win? Only via the app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Welcome to this bumper edition of Red Side of Trend, as it's been a very hectic week for Forrest. It started, unfortunately, on a sauna as we were dumped out of the FA Cup by Championship Strugglers Blackpool by four goals to one in the reverse of the score in the league game at Bloomfield Road last season. But that disappointment was put to bed on Wednesday night as we reached our first major cup semi-final since 1992 with a dramatic win on penalties against Wolves before beating Leicester 2-0 at the City Ground yesterday in the Premier League. As always, I'm joined by Adam Wicklow, Christian Brown and Lee Clark, and I'm going to get the negative straight out of the way because I don't want to dwell on it and just summarise the Blackpool game as, let's face it, no one wants to talk about that. It was just a frustrating day at both ends of the pitch for Forrest, um, plenty of missed chances, quite a few errors at the back as our FA Cup journey for the season came to an end. I mean, it was very disappointing at the time. You know, I made the trip, but with future events, it's quickly been forgotten about, and that is what we are going to do here and swiftly move on. So, straight into the Leicester game. We'll, we'll start with yesterday first, before moving on to the Wolves game. One force change, Christian, with, with McKenna in for Bolly for the Wolves game, from the Wolves game, should I say. Scarpa starting his first Premier League game for us. Was you pleased with that side and pleased to see Scarpa start? Yeah, yes and no. Like, I mean, I mean, I was obviously pleased. I mean, obviously, we we knew obviously when we saw Cooper talk about you know, Bolly's ankle being in a bowl of ice after the Wolves game that he was very likely to be hurt for a while. But um, I don't know. As much as I enjoyed Scarpa and thought he played very well yesterday for the time he was on the pitch, I was kind of hoping that. You know, Tyo would have shaken off his calf injury and started instead of him, but um, it wasn't to be. And you know, I felt that you know, take nothing away from Scarpa, he played very, very well. And so did McKenna. I think McKenna got um, obviously the Arsenal game was sort of like the death knell for McKenna, really, and Cook. But um, and you know, I rest, felt a bit bad for him away as game. well. 
Yeah, I feel a bit yeah. bad from the Wolves game because literally as soon as he came on, it was like yeah. the ball goes through his legs for a goal. But <laughs> yeah. um, he's, he's had no time to warm up. He just thrown straight in. But so um, I didn't have any reservations about him playing personally. And we, we we all know in this podcast how good Scott McKenna can be and how good he was last season. And I think that we saw yesterday, you know, that was McKenna that we all know for well, very calm, composed, you know, head it, clear it, got a good pass him as well. I thought he, um, this one thing I noticed was the speed he would play out from the back. Uh, just get Lodi into the game or some or Mangala, you no. Know. So yeah, he did his job very well, and you no, know, as changes go, that was a very good one. Yeah, I mean it was a very cagey game, Lee. I think you put it. It was your words were um, expletive at half time. I think what you um, said about the game in the group chat um, until the opening goal, but there was a few chances. I mean for us, Ryan Yates's header from a pinpoint throw across. And I mean, Harvey Barnes with two, I mean, absolutely glorious chances for Leicester. I mean, what did you make of them chances? And should they all have resulted in goals? I mean, we'll start with Yates's first. I think it was uh, it was a difficult chance, I think, the header. Um, mm. I mean, we, we know what he's like with his head. He's, he, he'll be the first to admit that he's not the greatest with his head when it comes to having to get it on target. I mean, he's, he's OK in there when it comes to the defending side of things. Um Barnes's were absolute sitters. I mean, we made the point at the time that that's probably the first game this season where a team's actually missed those sort of chances. We, we've spoke on this pod about it being a tough school, the Premier League, and one chance typically results in one goal. Well, they didn't yesterday, thankfully. Um, I mean, it's interesting that it was Barnes that was in those positions. I mean, Vardy must have been looking at both of those and thinking, why wasn't I on the end of those? Because um, we might have been in trouble then. But... Um, yeah, they, they. I mean, like I say, I've got sympathy for Yates's, but Leicester should have scored both of those. Um, when he, op- I thought he actually did really well, Barnes, to open his body up before the ball. While the, as soon as the ball had been passed, he kind of opened himself up, didn't he? And you, you're just looking at it and thinking he's just going to sweep this into the bottom corner, but luckily he didn't. Um, and I guess it was just one of those things, isn't it? We, I said it last time. I mean, yeah, we don't need to go in what I actually called the game. It was absolutely dire. <laughs> I thought it was a game of. It was just awful. It was a. If you'd have rocked it, rocked up and never never seen either team, you didn't know football, you didn't know what leagues they were, and you'd think you'd, it was just a really scrappy game. You could tell it meant a lot to both sides. Um, so yeah, I mean, it it was just. I thought there'd be one goal in it. As as it goes, there was two, but I always fancied that whoever did score the first goal would go on to win the game. Yeah, like you said, I think when Barnes opened up his body for that second chance, I mean, I expected the corner of the net to ripple. Um, I mean, Yates, he's... <laughs> well, I mean, like the header at Blackpool last week, I'd, I'd left um, when he did score that. That was a brilliant header. And then, like, obviously the header he got yesterday couldn't seem to um, glide onto target. So he's inconsistent with them. I mean, he, he proved last season he can actually head it. Uh, so hopefully he can start to... Because like we said last season as well, he always does get in them positions, doesn't he, to win the header. So hopefully he can start to get a couple in the Premier League would be nice. Mm. I mean, like Lee just said, really, Adam, the game, I mean, I agree, the game was there to be won by either side, I thought, and the deadlock, deadlock was finally broken on 56 minutes when Morgan gives White's excellent through ball, put Brennan Johnson through. He brilliantly rounded Danny Ward to score. He was originally flagged offside, but after a VR check, VAR check was deemed to be onside. I mean, a, a Mr Warburton quote springs to mind on that goal. Um, mm. Talk us through that goal, Adam. What did you make of it? No, brilliant. It was uh, 
Morgan Gibbs White, you getting in the getting him in the ball with in a good position where you want him in the middle of the pitch and and Brennan making that running behind. Obviously Leicester playing such a high line. I, I don't know why because I'm not sure if a Marty or or that fast is even that quick to be honest. But as soon as Johnson gets in behind, you're never catching him. And luckily, VAR has has done its job on this occasion and Johnson's took his chance beating his international teammate Annie. But um, I, I was actually like. Goading for Johnson to come off, to be honest. I thought he was relatively poor other than his two goals in terms of his movement. He didn't really test Luke Thomas going 1v1 against him. But then as soon as he scored that first one, it it seemed to give him so much confidence. He's been begging for a goal, hasn't he, in the league yeah. since Everton from open play. just He's been really snatching at chances. And yesterday they were two excellent finishes. That was the Johnson from last season who was just cool and collective, take, take good touches and... and and uh, yeah, compose himself really. So fair play to him, play to the whistle, and then and that's it's good. It's good, good to see him and Gibbs White having that connection, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, they were definitely what I needed wanting, and as we'll come on to the second goal, you know, there were two brilliant finishes and moves from us as well. And it, that is something that I probably noticed early on in the season, like the goals were a bit scrappy from us, but now we're actually constructing some really good moves. You know, the one, I know it was a mistake at Southampton, but we pounced on it and we played it across a good move. And then the two goals yesterday, I mean, like you said, Adam, I mean, Amarty's definitely not quick. That's why he's usually stands on the edge of his own 18-yard box when I watch Leicester. Um, but, I mean, the best chance between both goals fell to Sam Surridge is another pinpoint cross, this time from Serge Aure. I mean, what a signing he's been on a free. Um, was glance wide. I mean, should he have scored, Christian? I mean, I must say it was really good movement to get in front of a, of a Marty, I, I believe it was. And would you rather have us started with a central striker like Surridge or even maybe, I dare say it, Dennis? after seeing Surridge's impact on the game, playing with a proper nine, as they say? I think Surridge, I mean, the chance, to be honest, when I watched it back on match day, I actually thought he's probably offside, right. um, which I don't think we would have clocked at the time. But yeah, I mean, we, we, Adam just spoke about the need for Johnson, the lift he got with scoring a goal. I think Surridge is the next one. I think yeah, as definitely. soon as Surridge gets one, he'll be a lot more, you know, like calmer. As and... if like he's arrived at this level kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, I still think he's sort of snatching a little bit. I mean, yeah, yeah. he's only had dribs and drabs, like 10 minute run outs here and there. I know he was very poor against Blackpool, but he wasn't mm. the only one. Um, yeah. But, you know, like, if you think about it, the key chances he's had this season, you'd probably say was like that header that does a chance against Spurs and maybe the header against Newcastle. Apart from the Blackpool game, we've not really got him involved that much. So it is a bit frustrating. But I mean, he, I thought, there was a lot of things that changed the game. I felt he um, Gibbs White dropping into that ten roll made a massive difference, and but Sarage is a focal point. I felt is it fast? They call the centre back or yeah, fast? Yeah, fast. I think fast struggled with him relentlessly for the whole time he was on the pitch. He didn't know what he couldn't. He was struggling with him in the air. He was struggling with him even when Sarage couldn't win a header, and he like, he saw he couldn't win it. He was just putting his body in a way, in a position. Sorry, where fast was immediately off balance and couldn't get to it either. So he was just making himself an absolute nuisance. He was causing chaos when he got on. And really, like, that's the first time I've watched him this season and thought, to be fair, he looks like he belongs at this level. Mm. And um, the only thing missing, of course, is that goal. I'm sure it will come at some point. And, but I mean, I personally think we look a lot better with number nine on the pitch. I know, granted, we play this sort of like wide forward position where, you know, but obviously they could sort of come centrally anyway. I think that performance may have given Cooper some food for four. And if Tyro isn't fit, 
for um, the Bournemouth game, then I kind of think he might be inclined to start Sturridge after that half hour just because he was that impressive. And um, and to be fair, like that Blackpool game, and obviously we won't dwell on that too much, it's been and gone, but realistically, if you're watching that, you're thinking our depth isn't nowhere near good enough. Some of these players are going to have to be moved on. Some of them had, have had other opportunities since then. Obviously, Sturridge being one of them. And obviously, he missed a penalty against Wolves as well. But um, O'Brien was another. And we have to say, they've sort of taken their And McKenna, really. And they've sort of taken their opportunity to sort of bed themselves back into the first team and show that they are valued members and not just, you know, that was just a one-off. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree. I do prefer playing with someone who's going to be more of a focal point. And I think the one, the one, what was for me yesterday was when this was before Surrey's come on. Johnson put a brilliant yeah. ball right across their six-yard box, and there was nobody no one gambled. No one gambled. Yeah, I know we're talking about completely different levels, but you know, Erling Haaland would have loved that ball yesterday in the Manchester derby. Any striker like that, yeah. Any yeah. striker, you're right, because like I think it's, it's, it's as good as it is having like that sort of fluid movement between Johnson mm. and Scarpa and um, Gibbs yeah. White. None of them have that killer instincts in front of goal, yeah. which a centre forward does, and only centre forward yeah. really has. Uh, it sounds very stupid, but they just they sniff out these opportunities. They know exactly where to be. It's, it's sort of the classic like you might make fifty runs in a game and forty nine of them are completely pointless, but you're still there for the one time it does force you. Yeah, and that's what centre forward does, and that especially especially a poacher. And yeah, I think if Sturridge on the pitch for that moment, he probably does score then. Mm. I mean, the game was put to bed those six minutes from time as another Morgan gives white pass. God, he's on every pod, this bloke, who is he? Um, to Brennan Johnson, was dispatched brilliantly by the Welshman. I've not gone into detail on purpose for this goal, Lee, so I'm going to give you the honour of talking us through it. I mean, how good was that goal? Oh, it was amazing. I mean, that pass is just... If Kevin De Bruyne makes that pass, then Sky... God. You took, you took the words out of my mouth. Yeah, yeah. They, they they make a highlight reel of it, don't they? They show yeah, yeah. years to come. He is that good. I mean, it's a great finish as well, by the way, but I think... It, there's there's like various. I always think at football, it sounds a bit geeky, but there's various like levels of crowd noise. And to me, the noise when we scored that second goal, as good as it was, it was more, you know, twenty odd thousand fans just marveling at that pass because it was absolutely unbelievable. And to be fair to Johnson, the touch to put it into his path yeah. is really good as well. Yeah, um, brilliant. So obviously, he's the one that's you know tasked with putting it into the back of the net. So. I'm not going to discount him for the goal, uh, but it was just the pass is incredible. I mean, Gibbs White always seems to favour that little little pass, doesn't he? He does try yeah. it an awful lot, um, but when they're coming off like that, then he's just such a good player. I mean, I've seen all sorts of bits and bobs doing the rounds on Twitter, and I have to agree with most of the positive ones. He, he's if he keeps playing like this, he's going to be p- people can he could have cost more and he'd still be valued for money because he's just, I mean. He's just so good. He's ridiculously good. I mean, I thought he was good whenever he, I used to see him against us. Um, I mean, do you know, thinking about it, wasn't it him that played that little pass into Ndaye for the really good first Samba save? And that was a sim- it was a similar technique then, wasn't it? So he, he does like that pass. And um, when they, when it's coming off like that, then then long may it continue. I, I, like the, I like the fact that it, there was a bicycle kick involved in that build-up playing <laughs> yeah. all from Morgan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I think he just wants to get on Soccer M showboat reel, doesn't he? I mean, imagine doing happened. a 1-2 involving a bicycle <laughs> kick. <laughs> yeah. Did he cross He crossed it as well, didn't he, to Billy Sharp last season at United away? Sheffield yeah, United he did. Away. He, he was he a did. thorn in our in our mist, and now he's a thorn yes. for everyone else for us. It's brilliant. Scored in, the, scored in the playoffs, obviously, against us as well. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, it, it means that Brennan Johnson is the first player to score a brace for through the Prem since Brian Roy in 1997, according to Match of the Day. And that home win sees us unbeaten in eight now at home. So, I mean, what a massive, massive win that was yesterday. Um, looking really solid at home, which is you know brilliant. And you always say, don't you, if you're going to stay in this league, you've got to make your home count. And we are certainly doing that at the minute. Um, I am going to have to go on to a little bit of a negative though, Adam, because unfortunately it did come as a, at a price yesterday. As you know, Ryan Yates came off at half time. Was that was that a bit of concussion? Apparently, maybe. I thought um, he was. I thought he was suffering from illness the way he kept hunching mm. over. Because you know, like I mean, Ryan Yates got booted in the face at Brighton and continued like a warrior. I'm just wondering if yeah. that suddenly like caught up with him. Or <laughs> like, like months later. Yeah, just um, like months later. Oh, it started hurting now, sort of thing. No, it was it was a shame because he he was looking all right. He looked like he was trying to get forward a little bit more. He was trying to one that was breaking the line, sort of thing, but. I thought Jack Colback come on yesterday and was absolutely phenomenal. Really, he he changed the game into in in some aspects because he's a left footer. You you notice all of our centre mids are right footers, and I think this is where obviously the 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 big news of of Danilo coming in and he's a lefty, and I think that kind of just adds you a little bit of balance, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, Cooper said I think he got whacked in the face, didn't he? So yeah. um, that's a shame. But Colback did really really well. I thought was brilliant I mean he I always does one of you I think said about talking about the snobbery people have had about him when last season he played majority of it at left back and even when he was playing central midfield a lot of the time either Garner was having to play in the 10 to accommodate for Yates to come in mm. or Colback was keeping him out of the team with Garner in there and Zinconago just in front so it just shows you how good Colback is and just shows how much of a professional he is because every time he's come on he's done a job for us really I thought he was excellent at Southampton as well thought he was excellent against Chelsea he, he's he's just a he's a good squad player for us and I think we're, we're quite lucky to have someone like that in around the team as we come back to the Premier League to be honest yeah it just surprised me that little bit of snobbery at some time with Colbert because he's, he's never put a foot wrong for us really I could understand it if it'd like it'd been really poor for us in stages but like you just said Adam he's you know, he gets some of his job, doesn't he? And you do need some experience at this level. And he's played at this level with Newcastle and Sunderland before. So, yeah, he always does a job I mean, for me. I mean, where where do you think Ryan Yates has used that, uh, like, what do you call it? Took that fall on the ball thing from? That's Jack Colbert, that is. Oh, like, complete shitousery <laughs> yeah, at it, wasn't he? <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's good at that, isn't he, Yates? Um, I think I mentioned it in the last part of just literally falling on the edge of our box and wins as a free kick. That, and that's cold, that's cold back in a nutshell and all. Yeah, so, good yeah. experience. Um, my other question from this bit to you as well, Adam, is, you know, Dean Anderson pulled up late on. I mean, if you add it, the Yates one does seem like it would just be a bit of a, a whack in the face and it'll be all right for Bournemouth. But the Henderson one did look a bit you know, a lot worse because it looked like he pulled up with a muscle injury. Um, you know, we are in a market as a, for a centre-mid, as we'll come on to, as you've just mentioned there. But if Henderson's injury does rule him out for, you know, I'm surmising here, but let's say a month at least, would you look to bring in another goalkeeper or would you let Wayne Hennessy take up the reins? I'd just let Wayne Hennessy take up the mm. reins, to be honest. I think Hennessy, yeah, I admit that he made a, he absolutely threw one in and against Man United, but... He's an exper- good save as well in that game. Too, yeah, so. yeah. He's an experienced pro. I yeah. think he'll be fine. I mean, our back four and our midfield have been really good at protecting our goalkeeper. Yeah, I know Leicester had two guilt edge chances yesterday, but 
even but even then like Chelsea had one two shots on target maybe Southampton have a shot on target so we're obviously doing something right in front of the goalkeeper and I think Hennessy will be fine I, I'd, I'd rather just stick it out I mean it's a bit of a kick in the teeth if you go out and go and get another goalkeeper instead of just using your backup experienced pro I think the last three games, if if I'm if I do quickly maths in my head, is it three shots on target? Yeah, Chelsea two, that. Southampton none. One yesterday. Yeah. So I mean, I mean that's we're doing something know, right. Well, we? Yeah, that's it. Um. So finally, for this like round of questions, um. So I want you to come in all on this. So I just want a man of the match from yesterday from all three of you. I know already got it in the ground, which is fine, and also just mentioning someone who might not have been man of the match yesterday but who has impressed you either yesterday or probably the last few games I mean start with you Christian uh I guess I it was it's weird because we've got someone who's got two goals and someone who's got two assists obviously Johnson and Gibbs respectively and neither of them would be my man of the match from yesterday's <laughs> game um I think personally for me it would be Lottie and I already got it and that was fair enough but Lottie was top draw from a different level, a different galaxy yesterday. And he started, <laughs> he started to show it consistently game in, game out. To the point now where you've got like, you know, are people actual outlets thinking like, Christ, if he keeps playing like this, you know, some top four side is going to sign him. And it's no wonder, like, we had Man City and Juventus looking at him in the summer and the Fletico were like, we don't want to sell him, even though they couldn't guarantee him game time. And that's how we ended up coming to Forest in the first place, which is very bizarre. I mean, thank God we have that option to buy him because otherwise that could get rather difficult. I really hope if we stay up, which fingers crossed, you know, he is he'll be the, honestly as soon as we confirm. Oh, sorry, if we confirm uh, survival, the first thing I'd be doing is straight on the phone to a flat coming Madrid saying, right, here's your money, pay it now. We'll do it right now. Well, they need the money, because, don't they, as well? <laughs> because it, he is that good. And yesterday, like honestly, he was absolutely tremendous. I think he didn't. Don't think he lost a single duel either in the air or on the floor. He seems to be everywhere. He was great going forwards. He was a rock. He, like, it was the first time like I think we've seen in a long time where you've looked at someone and just gone, he is so much better than everyone else in that department. Or, like, I mean, defence, midfield, attack. Mm. He was just head and shoulders above everyone. I know already got man in the match and already was very good himself. But no, Lottie, given he's only like 24, 25 as well, he's got to be a priority if we stay up. I mean, he was so, so good. In terms of the last few games, obviously, I mean, I think actually I'm going to give him, um, I'll say credit to Jay Worrell, actually. I thought yeah. Worrell played, I think, I know his distribution was a bit hit and miss at times, especially yesterday, which is a bit unlike him. But there was like, there was one time where in the first half where it sort of just came down, he just volleyed it, smacked up the pitch. It was like, <laughs> fucking hell. Like, you know, you're a Premier League footballer, for God's sake, man, just get it down. Um, although the first half was like unbelievably scrappy. scrappy but yeah. in terms of defensive actions, I know, I think like, We've seen, I think I saw someone mention some Twitter earlier, actually. It was a very fair point. Obviously, we've seen that Yates has been the quickest to adapt to the Premier League out of the ones that have come up. You know, even now we're saying Johnson's still getting to grips with it. Obviously, you know, O'Brien's still inconsistent. Toffolo was obviously out the side, but, you know, generally being up and down. Williams, nowhere near. Uh, I think the players that have come up. And you know, Worrell took his time to get going. You know, again, go back, Cook, again, you probably say realistically, nowhere near. McKenna again hit and miss, but Worrell again started very slowly. But over the last few games, it's shown consistently that he is actually able to defend at this level and defend competently. I think there's only he only got caught out once yesterday, and that wasn't even his fault. So he sort of mm-hmm. went to cover the right back side, and because um, Ori had sort of gone 
slightly off, but and the ball came over. It sort of cannoned off Aurier's legs and just gone behind Morrow. It wasn't like it's not much you can do if it takes a ricochet like that. But I think that you know, bear in mind, we all said in this pods that you know, especially at the start of the season, Morrow was nowhere near good enough, and you know he and he wasn't. There's no point trying to hide away from that or go take some high and mighty route that, oh, I've always backed him. No, he wasn't good enough. That's the bottom line. He simply wasn't. But since we've gone to four at the back, much like with midfield, Yates going to three in the middle, Yates has been a different player since that change happens. Mm. Warrell's just been more solid. He's looked more versatile. He's like, it seems like he's taken some time away from, like, when he's been dropped. It's almost like he's taken that time to sort of, like, look at his performances, look at the games, look how he can be better. And he's now applying that. And to be fair to him, yeah, fine. Because, I mean, the majority of us would probably say centre back's a priority, but the way he's playing, like he's sort of, you know, he's giving up no reason whatsoever why he should be losing that shirt. Yeah, I mean, I just thought Warrior say literally put his, you know, everything up coming the box, he just headed it out. I mean, Vardy didn't get a sniff, you wouldn't even thought he was playing. Um, no, I mean, that is also because Vardy's well finished. Yeah, yeah, he's I 36, mean, and it to be fair, yeah, he's been, a, mean, he's been like, a great servant for them, but yeah, yeah yesterday but no, he's, he's he was slower than fucking warship turning yeah. at the minute. So, yeah, he's nowhere the, near the only reason the you knew Vardy were playing was of that chant about his misses, which I thought was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it did get sunk in the away game, but not for long because you know, Leicester dismantled us that night. And as for Lodi as well, like I think we mentioned on the pod before, but ever since that Brazil squad got announced and he wasn't in it, he's been mm. completely different, which is very odd, but. Brilliant for us. Um, what about you, Lee? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great point, what Christian's just said about Warrell. I mean, th- there's a bit of a, a perception without some of our fans, I think, that if a player adapts, um, you've kind of got to rewrite history and say that you were always wrong about a player. Well, anyone who is singing Warrell's praises now is right to sing his praises. But at the start of the season, he looked very much like a defender. That you know, The jury was out as, as to whether he'd ever be a a decent enough Premier League defender because he, he really struggles. So, yeah, I think um, that is a fair point. Um, since you didn't mention it, I'll pick a different player. I don't think for any minute he was man of the match yesterday, um, but I think he would have been pretty close on Wednesday night, which I'm sure we'll come on to. But I just think Remo Freuler is proving every inch of the signing that I thought he would be on paper. Um, I mean, you looked at his CV when we signed him, God knows how many games for Atalanta, captain in them in the Champions League. And yeah, I mean, we heard great things about him. And to me, the work rate he puts in is is massively understated. Um, I mean, I put a tweet on about him on Wednesday night and I had people going at me saying he's rubbish and absolute pony. If this that person's listening, you know who you are. Not really sure what <laughs> absolute pony means. I'm not down with the kids, but... Um, shit, it is, I know shit, it's not basically. A, yeah, I know it's not a very good thing, so... Um, yeah, I'm going to go with him. I just think the last few weeks he's been absolutely fantastic, and he looks every inch like the you know the international player that we thought we'd signed. And seven point five million for a Premier League club, a newly promoted Premier League club, it's an absolute steal. Um, and I mean, every time there's some something else on social media that keeps putting how far each player's run, uh, and for the last few games he's topped it every week. So it, it's certainly not for a lack of trying from him, and is. I think he's one of them players that will probably see how good he really is when he doesn't play, um, which is probably the biggest compliment I can pay him because I think there's still this perception with some people that he's got to be creating goals and make and scoring goals. I mean, we've seen the few shots he's had. That's not his forte. <laughs> Popping up on the edge of uh, the opponent's box is not, not his forte at all. But what he does is he keeps things simple. 
he's got a bit of a Paul McKenna vibe, I think, in the sense yeah. that he gets the ball and he tries to give it to a player who's more capable, a Gibbs White, a Mangala. Um, so, yeah, like I say, yesterday I think it would be hard. I'd be hard pushed to go for just one player because I thought there was probably five or six outstanding contributions. Um like Christian's touched upon. If I had to if you had to pin me down for one, I'd have probably gone for Lodi as well. But just in the last few weeks, like since the World Cup, I think Froilers deserve some credit. Yeah, as as Adam mentioned in the group chat, um there was that tackle one in a second half where it was like a you know, he'd come out and he come out of nowhere and uh, made that tackle in um in our own in our own box. Um I think that was maybe was that one nil, Adam, maybe I think. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think which is a was. really, really good chance. Yeah, no one I mean, will ever I mean, talk about it because it was pretty much goal saving. Yeah, that's it. I mean, with me for Freud, like you've literally took all the words out of my mouth, annoyingly, um, because I, I literally used to say the same about Paul McKenna. Why is he in the team? This, this, this. And then when he was out of the team, you, you saw why he was in the team. I mean, as you just mentioned earlier, he was the high, covered the most distance yesterday, Freuler, you know, just over 11k. So, and like I said as well, he's been a mainstay of you know, since we've become really solid. So, I mean, that really says everything, in my opinion, but I'm I'm happy with what he's doing, as I think we all are on this pod. Um, finally, what about you, Adam? Just to touch on the two that you've spoke about, obviously, I call Renan Loddy, Renan Liddell at the start <laughs> when he was absolutely... No, I mean, he was settling. Yeah. I mean, it was probably a bit harsh. He's now... <laughs> he's now he's now Renan Waitrose. He's absolutely I mean, fantastic. It, it, was, it was poor at the start, but... We, Renan we Harrods. All, we all... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We, we all said on this pod, you know, it'd be ridiculous to write off a guy who's played for Atletico Madrid, you know what I mean? These are an elite club in Europe and yeah. he's been wrote off after, what was it, a few games at Forest and now we're seeing the benefits of Renan, Wade so, Rose, so or was, whatever you want to so, call it. So was Remo Froilen and I'm I'm, yeah. I'm pleased to announce I got me one and a half year old nephew to say Remo this morning in, in Costa Coffee in Uckdorf, so that was a fantastic <laughs> achievement of my life. Um, But I've, I'm going to... My man in the match yesterday, I mean... You could get you could get, you could pick so many players. I mean, Christian said Lardy was brilliant, Ore was brilliant. I mean, that run he went on where he le- ended up that left wing and then was about dead for about two minutes was quite funny. Um, but I think Morgan Gibbs White yesterday was brilliant. There was a point where he got absolutely nailed by Amarty and he got up like I mean, I, I made a comment on Twitter, he got up like Rocky did against Ivan Drago in Rocky Four. He just got straight back up, bounced up, straight back on it. He, I mean, he's for a pretty boy that loves fashion and and all that, he gets absolutely stuck in, and he's he's not shy to to not work hard and and whatnot. He's got all the tricks, but he'll he'll put himself about, and and that's brilliant. But I don't think they can really talk about anyone that's last few games. I think you've all you've all kind of hit the nail on the head, really. But yeah, no, it's good to see. It's good to see that we're starting to pick a consistent team for a change because we saw what the benefits of that was last season when, when Cooper was finding his 11. I think that's something that he uh, struggled with earlier on in the season and I was adapted and that just shows a good manager. So to be fair, you could say the last few games, you'd give Steve Cooper maybe that bit of a nod almost as well as the players because he's he's learning and he's learning on the fly just as, as well as a lot of them are. So that's what, that's what my two pence is. Well, I mean, it comes, that leads me on to a great um, quote from the late now, Gianluca Vialli, where he said, you either win or you learn. 
So I think Forest have been doing a lot of that this season and it's now coming to fruition, which is brilliant. So just to round off the last game, we're going to go through um, your select on it for. So Phil, 30 years of watching us, I don't think there's been a player to get me off my seat as much as Morgan Gibbs-White. Stick him in the ten every week. All the subs are decent. Surridge deserves a goal. Both of the full-backs exceptional. Each player is improving week on week. Huge three points. Um, Yummy Bear... I'll keep it simple. The famous Clough quote of, I hope anybody's not stupid enough to write us off. I mean, we have been written off all season by the outside media. Um, that Garibaldi there, best half of football in the league this season. The Brennan-Morgan Gibbs-White combo starting to pay dividends. Definitely true. Only worry now is the ever-increasing injury list, which is also very true. Um, David Bullen, Ore and Lottie, top class, especially Lottie, who must be attracting attention. Better than Cucurella at half the price. You know, just to see his go up to 13th in the league, you know, after we've had some pretty horror shows, haven't we, this half of the season? It's, you know, the last um, dozen games, apart from the odd one or two, have been brilliant. So, um, Alan, Leicester were poor, lucky to keep 11 men on the pitch. At half time, the game was there to be taken. We took it. Our and Lord, it were fire. Um, Jim, what a day. The second half against Chelsea and Leicester have been. Both been accomplished and controlled performances of aggression and forward-thinking football. Morgan Gibbs-White is getting better and better and his link-up play with Jono really clicking. Scarpa looks the real deal. Um, he also added, before the game, I said the one player we can't afford to lose is Yates, so his injuries are real worried, not to mention Hendo. Um, just Martin Fretwell, through the for the substitutes that came on, were outstanding as well yesterday. Got criticism from the Blackpool game, um, but stepped up to the plate yesterday. And Johnny Ancliffe, what a win, what a performance. Ore and Lottie are Champions League level fullbacks. I mean, they both have played at that level. Um, <laughs> we Rob Roar at Wolves at 45 million for Gibbs White. I mean, that figure goes up all the time. Freuler is a Rolls Royce. Jono keeps getting better with every game at this level. Two brilliant goals. Colback, O'Brien, Surridge, very good off the bench. Also, a special mention to McKenna and Worrell. I still think we need a centre back this window, though, to play alongside Joe. And finally, Dagen and Dave slept on it. I still think Arsenal still think Arsenal need to look over their shoulder. Um, yeah. And then oh, Jerry Pritchard, last one. What a brilliant day. Forrest was superb, especially second half committed and together. Morgan Gibbs White is unreal special talent. Scarpa was good, great vision. Ore is just phenomenal. Lottie was excellent again. Lovely finishing from Brennan. Colback was solid. Fans awesome. Bosch. Um, as always, thank you very much for sending in your slept on it thoughts. They're always appreciated. And if anyone has a jingle out there for it, then let us know because we still need. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage of McDelivery. You win? 
Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Just a break in play to give a plug to my business. This is Reese off the pod. I have my own courier business, RL Delivery Service. I do local and GB deliveries. Good rates, fully insured. So give me a message on, it's RL Deliveries on Twitter. You can find it in my bio, which is um, Reese, spell R-E-I-S-S-N-F-F-C. Or I'm also on Facebook at RL Delivery Service. So if you do need anything moving, give me a message and I'd be more than happy to help. So then moving on from that superb win against Leicester to another cracking night under the city ground lights as we defeated Wolves on penalties, uh, which Lee predicted rightly, to reach the League Cup semi-finals, which will see us play Manchester United over two legs with the first leg being at home. Um, so we went ahead in the first half after Morgan Gibbs-White's corner was turned onto the bar by Serge Auré before being prodded in by ex-Wolves man, Willy Bolly. I mean, talk us through that goal, Christian. What did you make of it? I, I was wondering, actually, I think that that goal has made me change our outlook on how we view set pieces. How many times did you sat in the grounds? And we did it yesterday as well. Mm-hmm. And we say, just beat the fucking first man. And neither of them, like, they struggle. But then you watch that goal against Wolves. And I'm starting to wonder now whether maybe it's deliberate. Maybe they try and go near post and get a che- flick on. Chelsea was a similar as well, wasn't yeah. it? And it's sort of like maybe they just want to go near post for a flick on and then see what happens. And that's exactly what happened. Like, because Gibbs White's corner, like, I mean, if it was near post, it was fucking brilliant. If it wasn't, it was awful. And um, obviously, Loma Hardy went near post. Aurea, I think it was Aurea, wasn't it? Sort of flipped it goal back. Yeah, it was Aurea, yeah. And then um, also, for someone who's like five foot two, and I've said it before, he's bloody good in the air, Serge Aurea. He leaps to like seven foot high. He's <laughs> ridiculous. Um, but again, and obviously, then Bolly was on hand to prod home. But it's weird because we've been, I think because the margins are so fine, sort of take our friend, Mr. Warburton, let's quote into um, considerations. I think obviously things like set pieces are so crucial because, you know, as we've seen, you know, it's got to a point now, Forest, where we go one the up, that could be game done. And, you know, if that comes from a set piece, then great because, you know, that's a free chance to score. So, Obviously, we're going to be more critical about that because we have been very poor from set pieces. Or it feels like we have anyway, just because you know, you don't be the first man or anything like that. But that one was arrowed perfectly onto Oreo's heads. Oreo was very unlucky not to score, really. And yeah, obviously, thankfully, there was a red shirt on hand to prod home. It was very interesting again seeing the reaction to the, um, from the Wolves fans, I'm sure we'll come to it in due course, who decided that Bolly, for not celebrating a goal, was fine. Never mind the fact that he basically went on strike there to force a move through to Forest. But someone they got eighty hundred million pounds for in Gibbs White celebrating because they've abused him relentlessly is apparently okay. So yeah, funny that. But we'll come on to that shortly, I'm sure. Yeah, I think yeah, we'll come on to that, as I say. Um I mean, we held that lead until the second half when a good move from Wolves perspective ended up in a tap a tap in for Mexican Raul Jimenez. I mean, what could we done from our perspective better lead to stop that from looking so simple wasn't it really yeah I mean it's difficult I think um, Bolly going off just completely upset us yeah. at the back um, nothing against McKenna um, I know he was the unfortunate one I think it went through his legs didn't it the cross but yeah. I mean I just thought I mean it's difficult because after the game even though we'd won I just felt that I really worried for that partnership because I think Bolly going off actually changed the way that Worrell had played 
Um, but for whatever reason, it was obviously just a, an on-the-night thing because obviously yesterday him and McKenna were sound. So, um, yeah, I think it was just the... Uh, I think if Bolly had stayed on and played the full 90, I think we'd have probably seen the game out in normal mm-hmm. time, to be fair. Um, yeah, so hopefully he can he can get fit. I, I mean, I think we want to send it back this month anyway. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But, yeah, I think it was just, it was just one of those goals. It was a nice little move. Um, and like I say, I just think that sort of pass might happen... I don't know, five or six times out of ten where it slips through the players' legs and it you know it doesn't get blocked off by the defenders. So a bit of an unfortunate one, but um just one of them things, I guess. Yeah, I think like you just said, Bolly going off did upset us. Um because then from my perspective, I thought we was clinging on a little. We just couldn't seem to get hold of the ball and get out of his own half. So I was quite thankful it went straight to penalties because I did think if they had extra time like they did in the past, they probably would have beat us. Um, and that is I where ordered. Go on, Link. I think just to, just to find just to touch on that though, I think you've only got to look at. I mean, like you mentioned, one of you mentioned the media earlier, and they love to say, "Oh, how many players have Forest gone? This, that, and the other." Well, look at our bench in that game against Wolves, and look at Wolves's bench. Yeah. Th- that's how far we still are away. We've signed twenty-two players, and you looked at our bench the other night, and you thought, "Blimey, who we're going to put on here?" They're chucking they're chucking Daniel Pedenson and Adama Traore, and it's like. Well, uh, are we supposed to? Are teams just supposed to come up into the league and you know not even try and compete with that? Um, so yeah, I mean, I think I think you're right. I think had it had gone to extra time, I think their class would have showed. I think with the subs that they were able to make, uh, we probably would have gone out. Just before I let Christian come, I think you know they've got Fabio Silva out on loan, who I think costs 30 40 million, maybe something like even more. And I mean, we can imagine Forrest having like that type of player out on loan, it'd just be. You know, mental really, wouldn't it? At that value, um, what would you like to say, Christian? Yeah, thirty-five million for my yeah. <laughs> king, Fabio yeah. Silva. But no, it's, it's quite funny how the um, the narrative changed now, isn't it? We've gone from um, how you know how Al Forest have signed so many players, like they're going to struggle to stay up and they're going to go down, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And now I saw someone say, genuinely with their chest out yesterday, "Oh, I'm so surprised for us up the first team. I've signed so many bloody players." It's like we can't fucking win, can we? It's like, like we've got we've got like you know if if Henderson what are we meant to do if Henderson and Yates were like out let's say for a month we'd have eight injuries yeah know, in in a twenty five man squad that any like, team's gonna struggle with that like it's yeah, just, it's just cool. bizarre like oh, God. it does seem like it does seem weird I never really thought of it before because obviously we've never really been under the microscope before but it does seem very bizarre that because we signed someone ahead of fucking West Ham with one fuck all in their whole career <laughs> then we're somehow public enemy number one it just seems <laughs> very strange yeah, well, I think when you come up and as we said at the start of the season you kind of upset the apple cart the norm a bit. You know, yeah, just because we come up like, and like we don't want to get smacked about. We Sorry. said, didn't we? Everyone, all these big Premier League teams, are like, oh hi, you're all right, and they, they expect you to be in Norwich, and we'll we'll take six points off you. Yeah, you might upset us the odd time, but you're going to go down bottom of the league. Start throwing punches at them, be, they don't like yeah, it. Yeah, you'll basically retire on your stool pretty much. But because mm. we've actually invested a little bit and done this and that, it's um, I mean, God, look at um, you know, the scrutiny of Chelsea's injuries. And you know, we've got we could have eight players out, and you know, it's as if Chelsea can't string a result together because they've got Reese James out. So yeah. Chelsea um, have just paid 18 million to take a player on loan for six months. Yeah. That's the got, league we're in. That's you've got sent off in his first game. Ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, he's just signed a new contract till 2027 and he's yeah. paid 18 million to take him on loan for no longer than six months. It's an absolute I mean, I can't, like you say, I think the expectation is that you just come up and and 
role yeah. over. Sign a few championship yeah. players ready for the next season. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Payments. Yeah. See you in two years, yeah. sir. Yeah, so as I was going to come on to for you, Adam, um, the penalty shootout, I mean, that's where all the drama of the game started happening. So, I mean, Surridge, and surprisingly for me, Neves both missed the first penalties. I thought Neves would score um, before a run of everybody scoring until Dean Anderson saved from Joseph Hodge. I'm not sure why he took a penalty. I think he's only 19. Um, sure, there's someone a bit more experienced who could have took one, but whatever. I mean, it led to Henderson sprinting like Usain Bolt towards a Brian Clough sandwich, which I found hilarious. Um, some Quick, pace, anyone moved all night, that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, I mean, talk us through the penalties, Adam, and then I want you to all come on this. I mean, talk us about what happened afterwards and your thoughts of that Royal Rumble, really. I mean, if Remo Freud is going to take a penalty like that, oh. then... then... Hipster's dream that was. Black I mean, boots, Morgan gives white. I mean, Morgan gives white repeated the actions that saw his penalty saved by Brief Samba by doing the yeah. exact same technique, which I absolutely <laughs> despise. Just run up to it and hit it. At least, like Joe Sorry, you can accept it because he hit the ball well. It just yeah. was a good height for for Saar, and he guessed the right way. Just very Jamie Vardy. We absolutely used to just blast it. But like and... the celebration from Gibbs White was was like somewhat. I thought was like brilliant because it's like oh like let's just um let's just cancel out all the haters kind of thing like just mm-hmm. let's block them all out and that and that's it like I thought it was kind of it was obviously meant to upset them but also it's it's no harm it's it's it is what it is there's no like yeah. horrible gesture there and obviously I love the pettiness of like Cunha doing it back. And then Colback doing Cole it back. back yeah. And then just like you could see, I could see you on the halfway line. I saw, I saw Gibbs White like really like go at Cunha afterwards. And then obviously afterwards, Lopetegui getting right involved and getting in Gibbs White's face because he's now obviously been investigated. But I thought, um, I thought Cunha or Chirore, I couldn't, I couldn't really tell which one it was. I thought one of them lamped. Gibbs White in the face, to be honest. I'm surprised that's not been looked into more of, but it must have just been handbags because otherwise you'd have heard something by now. But it was like, do you know, like when year 11s used to just, or year sevens or whatever, it was just pettiness, schoolyard bullshit, whatever. But it was brilliant. I found it so funny. Like yeah, Ren, I... Ren and Lottie even did like that whole thing where you put your <laughs> up by your side and speak yeah. about it was quality. Yeah, it was uh, yeah, funny. Um, I mean, for me, like, you know, fans give footballers grief. I know they're on a lot of money, but, you know, the fa- there's sometimes where fans go, you know, overstep the mark, you know, going on about family and stuff. And you know what? Do you know when they give a bit back like that, you know, silencing the crowd? We've had it over the years, haven't we? David Nugent used to do it on a regular. You know, Jamie Ward used to do it on a regular. And, I mean, I'm cheering for him at Ilkeston now. So it's just... It's part and parcel of the game. I don't think why. I don't really know why fans get so wound up about it. Personally, it's a bit of a laugh. And you know, if things like that go out of the game, I think it'd become a bit more boring. So yeah, you you need characters. It's easy to say this because obviously we're on the winning side. But you know, if it would have happened at Wolves, we'd have to take it on the chin. And um, yeah, it. It does make that Premier League game against them a bit more spicy, doesn't it? I can't wait. Um, Luis Figo <laughs> against Barcelona maybe comes to mind when he's taking the corner. Um, <laughs> anything you guys want to add, Christian and Lee? I mean, I, I again, I just like I said, I find it baffling that, like you said, I mean, these Wolves fans, you know, they, I, I don't think we've encountered a more 
ungracious bunch of losers. <laughs> probably since we've had, we've had a time where we played Newcastle and they demanded the match got replayed because they went down to nine men. <laughs> I honestly don't think we've seen... I've never seen a fan base get that rattled in a long, long time. And for what? Like, these fans... They abused his fucking dad while he was still their player. You know, they hound his girlfriend repeatedly off social media. They've gone... They've well crossed the line between, like, what is acceptable and what isn't, both online and in the ground, in person, twice, like, at their place this season as well. Every time he touched the ball, it was, like, you know, torrential. And for what? Like, because he left them for a bigger club. <laughs> like because because he left because he didn't uh, in all seriousness he left them because he didn't feel he could he could fulfill his potential there he felt that he'd always be seen as the academy boy he'd never get a fair crack at a whip and you know so be it good that's that's his prerogative that's up to him and you know so so after all that he's thr- they thrown at him for him to stand there like that and with his hand, with his fingers in his ears like he deserved that moment like he really did and if they're gonna behave that way over a fucking penalty. Imagine what's going to happen if he actually scores an actual goal against them. He nearly like, did to be fair. He nearly did, yeah. Save from him, yeah. But like, I, I just find it baffling, like, the way they reacted after the game, like, like Adam said, it was proper toys out the pram stuff, and that was repeated in the stands as well by them not. But it was just embarrassing to watch really, like, you, know, you look at them and you think you've been You've been around Europe. You've since you've been promoted, you come seventh in the Premier League. You got to an FA Cup semi final, which you unbelievably bottled hilariously, and you know you've been to like quite big depths since you've been promoted and shown really like you know how if you want to get promoted to the league, like you look at Wolves and say, okay, fair enough, they've had their own unique twist with the Portuguese experiment. But by and large, they're they're a benchmark of what to aspire to because they've done so yeah, well since they've been promoted, and you see them get that petty and that wound up by. I, I don't know. I just found it really bizarre. I'm really pleased Gibbs White got that one over them because he fucking deserves it. And as for them, they can fuck off. Like, what a joke of a club. Honestly, what an absolute joke of a club. <laughs> I mean, what I find quite funny is obviously, you know, they think they've had a great deal out of this morning, Gibbs White, which is their provocative. Oh, so if we paid them double, yeah. we still wouldn't have been enough from what we've seen <laughs> we, so far. I mean, we, we, we <laughs> like... love him, so um, it uses a bit of a beating stick to us, but we're like, well, we, we're happy with what we've paid for him. So yeah. Take the um, inflated figures, say yeah. That whatever he's still not, he's yeah. still worth way more. Still, you're still so. a young guy. He's he's progressing nicely, and it's good to see anything. You want to yeah, I mean, well, the funniest thing I think I saw in the aftermath of the game was um, a Wolves fan saying that he couldn't wait until we got relegated. So <laughs> I had a little quick look at the league table. I didn't realize they was at that point they were still nineteenth. Mm. I mean, it's a bit ironic talking about another team getting relegated when you're nineteenth yourself, isn't it? But yeah, I mean, I agree with everything that Christian's just said. Really, I think. One of my biggest bugbears in football is when a player goes back to a former club and scores against them and then doesn't celebrate. Why? Why not? I mean, that team you've just scored for, yeah, I'm not saying everyone should behave like Gibbs White did. I mean, he clearly had a reason to do that. And like Christian said, with the stuff of his dad and his girlfriend and that, fair play to him. I think what what really tickled me about it was when when we won... And everyone made a beeline for Henderson, except for Gibbs White, who kind of just made a beeline for the Wolves fans. I mean, that is that was that that was Chris. I've not seen anyone do that since Chris Commons scored the winner. Oh, Aurier did it as well. I think I think he slid on his knees. I mean, and... it was it was just brilliant. I mean, yeah, it was. I think that that stuff makes the game. When it happens to your team, it's a bit. It pisses you off a bit, and you have to take it on the chin. But. God, they booed him all night and they've done stuff to him. And then all of a sudden he, he cups. I've never known anyone so rattled by a player just standing <laughs> there with his fingers in his ears. It's 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 a bit pathetic, isn't it? 
Yeah, um, I must say as well, the atmosphere at the end of that game was brilliant. You could just tell, like, the relief, like, with, you know, not being in the semi-finals of a major cup. I mean, I wasn't even born. It was the year of my birth, but I was a couple of months before being born. I mean, so, you know, for a generation of us, we've not even ever seen this. So, yeah, it was it was brilliant at the end. And, you know, they just can't get enough. And that was brilliant. Love, you know, just before it. you move on, if if Morgan, if in the in the fixture in the Premier League against Wolves and Gibbs White scores at the Trent end, if I don't see an Adi Bayor esque <laughs> celebration, then we just release him on a free. Because yeah, I mean, I'm, no, I'm joking, obviously. But like, if he scores at the Bridgeford and does it again, God, that would be, um, be funny. Um, oh, that would um, that'd boil, sure. that'd boil yeah, some, but, some piss, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would, yeah. So anyway, that's I mean that's all the games from this week covered. Um, so going to come on to a few other bits of business now as we're in the January transfer window before our predictions for another big game um, on the South Coast against Bournemouth. So um, Christian, um, I mean we've spoken on this pod about par and exactly the halfway stage. We are on twenty points from nineteen games. After I'd say getting to getting to grips first half of the season. Um, that would obviously, if we replicate it, get us to the magic 40 points at the end of the season, as they say. And I, I mean, I'm sure that will keep us up. I mean, now we've found to feet, especially at home. Do you think there is a base to push on from away from the relegation scrap? Or is it still about just finishing 17th by hook or crook? Or it's, hook or still, crook and sending the division? That's still first priority number one, I think. Mm. I know, obviously, we were in the lofty heights of 13, which are the lofty heights. We've been getting, we're getting a bit carried league. away now, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, but I think that first and foremost, you know, what before we can run, we still there's still a long yeah. way to go. And, um, you know, I think it's about just keeping grounded. We know, like that Everton fan said on our podcast, and obviously they're in the whole world of crisis Ooh, at the minute, but yeah. you're only three games away from a crisis in this league. And it's very, very true. true. If we, let's say, for example, we lost to Bournemouth and Leeds, then mm-hmm. we're going back to saying, fucking hell, we're actually going to be good enough to stay up. Yeah, so, very true. So, you know, again, what before we can run. And but I think, you know, it's good to have one eye. I mean, I'm Cooper's saying the right things. You know, he, I think he's saying, like, you know, he's very aware of where we are in terms of league status, but he's also saying we want to look up at the table, we want to try and climb up. And that's the right attitude to have because, you know, that's simply where we are. It's it's honest, it's refreshing. It's not just like, oh, you know, like do we win Moises at Sunderland's the year they went down? And every mm. single week, win, lose, or draw, you just come out afterwards and say, we're shit, we're going down. <laughs> and, um, like, it's, it's very refreshing to see Cooper actually say something like, you know, look, we are very aware of where we are, but we want to try and push on. And that's good. It, we, it's good to be ambitious, but ultimately, that, that still is our main focus. And, but, I mean, I don't think many pundits would have had us to even get 20 points this season. So, to be there at a halfway stage this season is very impressive, especially when it, after that five-game losing run, especially after like not winning in what felt like eight, nine games, eight games I think it was in the league. So, you know, obviously there is some leeway on what you can be afforded and what you can't. But, I mean, realistically, we've got 19 games left. We win seven of those, we'll stay up. And I think this team is capable of winning seven more games between now and the end of the season. So, mm-hmm. it's a good place to be in. It's obviously, you know, not getting carried away. I think... Again, it's just more. It's 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 nice to be this sort of like exciting, nervous anticipation of what we could do. But I still think the main focus is very much you know hook or crook seventeenth, whatever else is a bonus. Yeah, we're all very giddy at the minute, aren't we? Which is um, a lovely feeling. Um, but like you say, Christian, you have to be level headed and 
you know, a couple of defeats, um, especially against the sides who are down there with you, and you could be back to square one again. That's so, it. yeah, but that's it. we'll live in the moment, and you know, we're really all enjoying it at the minute. Can so. we like end the season now? <laughs> yeah, that, that would do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, right. Something I'm going to touch on as well. It it was announced during the week that our CEO Dave Murphy will be moving on to Pastures New. Um, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about this. Um, as a lot of the fan base see him as a big cog in our success last season, which is very fair, but he has now left the building. I mean, me personally, I've got my own opinion on this, and it is something um, us four on the pod do slightly disagree with, not, you know, where we're arguing amongst ourselves. Um, so I'm going to come to you, Lee, um, as I know you'll have balance on it before I add one or two bits of my own opinion. I mean, what, what did you make of that news? Yeah, I think it's been coming. Uh, um, I think it's always a bit cliched, but there's no smoke without fire with that sort of stuff. And I think yeah, definitely. Um, from the moment we played Leicester away, uh, funnily enough, um, when all the reports came out about Cooper potentially going and um, Marinak is sounding out other uh, managers, obviously it was it was mentioned then that Murphy might be one of the people that, um, you know, gets the bullet for it. So, yeah, I, I'm not, I can't say I'm overly surprised. Um I was quite pleased that no one kind of saw it as a surprise. I don't think there was a, a massive meltdown in typical hashtag NFFC fashion, um, <laughs> which was nice. Uh, but yeah, I think it's one of the things, I mean, clearly something's happened. Like you say, I, I just think we all like to think we know what goes on behind the scenes at football clubs when I think in reality we do, we just don't. Um, mm. I mean, I've said before on this podcast that it's Marinakis's football club. If he wants to run it by putting his son into a an integral role and letting him pick some players for transfers, then that's his to do that. I mean, we can have an opinion. I mean, let's face it, we were all slagging him. Well, we weren't all slagging him off, particularly us on this pod. We weren't, we don't really do slagging off, do we? I suppose. Well, um, we, ask but, Twitter. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just, I just think everyone slagged the son off because he was in, instrumental in bringing Serge Aurier to the club. I mean, Give give him the freedom of the city if he was responsible for that because that's been an inspired <laughs> signing. Um, so it's it's one of the things. I just think Marinakis is a businessman. He knows how to run a football club. People will always say, "Oh, he don't know how to run them in England, though." But he's proved his worth now. He's took us to the Premier League, and it's his to do as he chooses. Obviously, he's identified uh, Filippo Giraldo um, as the man to kind of. I think he's got a slightly different title than what Murphy had. Obviously, he's a sporting director, whereas Murphy was the uh, chief executive. So, but by the sounds of it, it's it, his role is going to be very similar to what Murphy had. So, he's got experience. He's signed some decent players for Watford before. Um, looking at the players that have been mentioned that he brought to Watford, I'd hazard a guess that Danilo is one of his. Um, so we'll see how that one goes. So, yeah, I mean, I'm quite laid back about it. I think um, I was kind of expecting it to be to be coming. Um, but, but I mean, what is quite interesting is the, I think Dane Murphy came with another guy who's the, like the football secretary behind the scenes. I'm not sure what his name is, but he works with him at yeah, he's as well. Yeah, he's still there at the minute. And he's think. still there. So I, I think, mm. like I say, I mean, we'll all have our own opinions on it, but I, I just think there's this, just, I don't know, maybe Murphy wasn't quite as sweetness and light as uh, perhaps he's been made out to be by some of our fans. But again, that that's me speculating and with no real knowledge of what's going on behind the scenes, I guess. 
Yeah, it, it is a bit sad because he, he does, you know, he did a great job for his last season and he, and he seems a thoroughly decent bloke. I mean, me personally, I did feel he got thrown under the bus a bit in the press. Um, I mean, th- this, these are all opinions. I mean, like I just said, everyone will have different. I don't personally think he would have pushed for Cooper to have left. Um, I mean, he definitely wouldn't have wanted Rafa as manager because that just goes against all his principles. And I, I just thought the links with March were a bit cheap because he's probably progressive and American as well um, because there was no really talk of Jesse March at the time. But as you say, Lee, it's, it's, it's Maranakis's club. Um, he may, he has made, let's be right about it, investment what Forest fans wouldn't have even dreamt about, you know, the money he's put into us. And, you know, there, there is there is people out there who are negative for the sake of being negative. You know, when things are good on the pitch and that is the main thing in football, you know, um, you just want to try and stay as positive as you can. I think there's just a few too many on social media where you've just either got to be anti-board or pro-board where you can you can say, like, stuff with balance where they've done some really good stuff. I mean, you look at Ore, like you mentioned, that was definitely a Maranakis signing, wasn't it? And he's been part of the season, in my opinion. Um, so, yeah, they do some great stuff. They do some good stuff and they do some stuff I don't like. But, you know, they put the money in and that's the way it is. And where I think we're just, sat... just to finish there on. on Murphy, I, I, I don't want it to sound like I've kind of just gone off on a tangent there and basically just thrown Murphy under the bus myself. I no, think oh, no, you what, haven't. No. What I would say about him is that for a young, for a relatively, I mean, some people are still playing at his age, aren't they? So you've yeah. got to say he's young to be doing a chief executive role. But I mean, the fact that he's kind of kept himself to himself, he's blended into the background. Um, he's done lots of good work. He's he's kind of became completely invested in Nottingham Forest Football Club, hasn't he? So I think for that, um, and obviously the fact that he was the chief executive on the one promotion, he absolutely deserves the utmost respect from from us as supporters, I guess. Yeah, I don't think he'd have to buy a pint in Nottingham again, would he, if he was to be in and around the area? But uh, yeah, like you say, Lee, it is, it is what it is. It's Maranakis's club. You know, the investment he's put in in a position we're in, God, you know, two years ago or whenever, 10 years ago, or whenever you want to put a date on it, would have dreamt of this. So, you know, you can't ask for too much, can you, sometimes? Um, but moving on from that anyway, and finally, before our predictions, um, Adam, looks like we are on the verge of signing a friend for Gustavo Scarpa and Renan Lod- Lodi as we look closer, closer to the signing of central defensive midfielder Danilo from Palmeiras in Brazil for a reported fee of around €20 million. Euros. Um I know if that does go through as expected, you'd be probably doing a pod slash section, maybe. Yeah, so I've got Palmeiras friend. I've got I've got Michael back from Pal from the from Palmeiras. He's gonna to talk to me on Tuesday. Um yeah. so that one will be out probably Wednesday, hopefully, because I'm yeah. doing a Bournemouth pod as well. Get uh get, we got a got a lad on from back of the net, I believe it is. So so that'll be interesting. But yeah, I think it's going to be obviously Danilo was linked with Arsenal in the summer. They didn't want to meet his thirty-five million pound fee that they wanted, and he was linked with Monaco, I believe, and possibly Atletico Madrid, but I'm not completely certain on that. So he seems like a promising player. I don't know if you read that um, uh, that document on him from an Arsenal supporter, I believe it was. Who, I didn't know. Yeah, so he, he seems like a very progressive centre defensive midfield player who'll pass the ball forward and, and he's a lefty, so it kind of gives us a bit more of a balance, I guess, in in midfield. So I'm interested to find out from, from Michael what it, what he's like, but obviously he's he's been with the Brazil squad, not made a, an appearance, but 
for someone that's playing in the Brazil league at the time and to get called up to the national team, you must have something about you. And obviously to get touted around, touted around Europe, you, you must be a, a decent player. And he's experienced. I think he's already played like, so I think I saw a quote of 10,000 minutes already mm-hmm. in, in professional football at 21, won the Copa Libertadores twice. So it's going to be interesting to find out some more information and obviously we'll see him firsthand and hopefully he will it'll do the business for us in some capacity. I think it'll be interesting how to see how he adapts, obviously, as as will any player from from any league, really, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, um, like you say, he's, he's a really good age, which is something like, unfortunately, Scarpa's not really got on his side as he come in into his 30s. Um, this this guy's in his young 20s. So, yeah, it'd be interesting. Some, a few people mentioned it on um, Twitter as well. It, if he does come in and starts for us, it might see Froiler be a bit more advanced and become a more box-to-box midfielder like he was for at, at Atalanta, it was said. So, yeah, it gives us another option. So, we shall have to see. Um, it look, that looks pretty much done, doesn't it? He's apparently flying in for well, his medical. What so. Fabrizio is doing is here, here, you go, here we go, isn't it? It's pretty much confirmed, <laughs> yeah. sealed and delivered, isn't it, really? The, tag, it's like... the tagline, yeah. Yeah, we all love that, don't we? Um, finally, then to round off the pod, it's um, a trip to the South Coast again for Forest on Saturday as we visit AFC Bournemouth. I mean, let's hope the wind's not too strong on the way down. Um, I mean, I'm making a trip with work on the Friday, so I hope it's postponed because I'll be alone down there on my own in a hotel. So, um, also keep an eye out for us in the Bournemouth program as um, I've answered a few questions on behalf of the pod about Forest. I mean, it's fair to say we do owe Bournemouth one, don't we? Because uh, that game for automatic promotion last season and, you know, that home defeat this season when we were tuning up and ended up losing 3-2, um, I think that started a bit of the the meltdowns, isn't it, really? Um, it, it also, fair to say that Gary O'Neill had that new manager bounce, but they are now back to being where we expected them to be. And that's right in the thick of a relegation battle. Um, six defeats on the bounce, 10 defeats in the last 12 in total, with the only two wins coming against Everton, who are in an absolute mess at the minute, um, after starting his reign being unbeaten in six. So after all of that, you know, let's have your predictions, Christian. What are you going to go for? Uh, charity FC is going to bowl it town, I know. Um, <laughs> I mean, for some reason, those um, days are over. <laughs> uh, I hope so. No, I think, um, like I said, it was it's a bit like the Sulkshire effect, isn't it? For O'Neill, where you know, yeah. the, as a caretaker, he was exactly what he needed at the time, but when he needs to make an actual hiring, it's sort of backfired a little bit. They got a PE teacher in, yeah. Well, yeah, um, so. I don't know. It's an interesting. I think was it three out of the last twenty-seven points they've won available in the league, which is pretty shocking, really. Yeah. Um. So I mean, realistically, much like the Southampton game, this should be a game where we go there looking to win. Um. I do obviously agree with the notion we obviously can't lose that game because it'd be disastrous. But um, they'll see it's a chance to get back on the ball. They'll see it's that they finished above last season and see if they can win. I a lot depends of it depends. Sorry, a lot a lot of it depends on who is fit. Obviously, Henderson's going to be a doubt. Yates could be a doubt, but mm. obviously, Tyro could still be a doubt. I almost kind of want some of the players who played last season in that game to be playing on that game because I think they'll have a bit mm. of extra motivation. Obviously, the way the Bournemouth fans invaded the pitch after the game, as they're entitled to do, they've just called yeah, all sorts of course, yeah. We'd do the same, oh, wouldn't we? Yeah, yeah, of course. But in the nature, obviously, the way that we had it sort of ripped away from us. And I know Spence got a bit of a tangle with some of their fans as well as he was leaving the pitch. And I, so it looked like it wasn't maybe a bit overzealous from their part. 
So I'm sure that'll be in the back of like the heads of Morrill Yates and you know probably Star Agent Colback too. So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Really, I think the way we're playing at the minute, if we take our home form with the road, we'll win. I, I think you know, we will win. But it's yeah, it's just a case of what Forest turns up. So I'm going to be positive and I'm going to say one nil Forest. I think we have got enough there to get a win the clean sheet. But um, yeah, it's not going to be an easy game. And I think as even though this, their struggles may be what they are, but they all see that as a prime opportunity to sort of sort themselves out and they'll be well up for that game. So yeah, it's going to be hard, but 1-0 Forest win. Sam Sorrows to break his duck. <laughs> That'd do very nicely. What about you, Lee? old club. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, a tricky one. I mean, I don't know. We, we definitely do owe them one. Um, yeah. I'm going to be optimistic. I think we're, we're playing okay. Um, they're clearly not. Um, I'll go for a two-one victory. Um, no real reason. I just, I just think it'll be one of those sort of games where they'll know they can't lose. I think we'll score first, then it will completely change their get their approach to the game. Um, and I think much like yesterday, we'll uh, we'll get another, and then they'll perhaps get a late one, um, just as a consolation. Yeah, it does feel like one of them games where it is cliche, but the first goal will be vital. Um, what about you, Adam? What do you think? I'm I'm just wondering if Lee's been on the wine this evening. He's too optimistic <laughs> for my liking. Um, normally, normally doom and gloom. Sorry, Lee. Not but, yet. Uh, <laughs> um, I think it's a potential banana skin, obviously, because Bournemouth have been so bad. We, mm. I don't, I just hope we're not too overconfident. I know Cooper won't allow that because of his post-match interview from yesterday. It's just, it's just not going to happen, is it? Really, he's, he's too. He's too he's too respectful of that sort of 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 the of the league and and the opposition in in that respect. So, um, I think it's it's a don't lose. I'll be I will take a point right now, but I would like to think we might compile a bit of a misery on them. And and with the form of Gibbs White coming in and and now Johnson getting those two goals and Surridge looking like he's really fighting for his opportunity at at the club, and 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 obviously Scarpa giving us that bit of boost. Injury, injuries injuries aside, I do think we've got enough quality to beat them and, and Bournemouth will probably think the same thing. But so I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go the same with Christian. I'm gonna say one nil, but I'll I'd take a point if 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 it be that. Yeah, I mean I mean from their perspective, um they're gonna look at you know, if they want to stay in this division, they're gonna be looking at beating us at home. You know, there's there's no doubt about that. Um from us, we I mean we don't wanna be the ones who end their barren run, don't we? Um but you know, I, I do think we can go there and win. I, I generally do, and I, I think we'll be looking to go there and win. You know, it's not a game where I think, say, if you was going to someone mid-table like Brighton early on in the season, where you'd cling on for a point and be happy with it. I, I generally think we can go there and win. So I'm going to go for a two-one Forest win as well. Um, I just hope it isn't like my last, my only visit to Bournemouth when we were, I think, thump four-one. So um, I don't want that again. Um, but anyway. Um, we hope you enjoyed that bumper part. I mean, we've certainly all enjoyed talking about it because it's been, you know, a brilliant week for Forest. A week that started on a sour note and ended vastly sweet. And I'll end it with a message to all the outside directors of Forest this season. As I said earlier, I hope anybody's not stupid enough to write us off. So until Bournemouth, have a great week, everyone, and up them Reds. Goodbye. 
just a quick one as well from all of us on this podcast. This is something that we all share and it's something that myself and I'm sure the other guys have noticed as well is that a lot of people, especially Forest fans, as that's what mostly I do have on my Twitter, um, seeming to struggle a little bit with their mental health at the minute. You know, if you are struggling, um, by all means, message the pod and one of us will reply to you or message somebody on Twitter you know, use the forest timeline with the hashtag or just to make sure you talk to somebody rather than doing anything silly. Um, there is plenty of options out there. You know, if you also want to talk to someone in confidence, there's, you know, charities like Mind who will help you. Um, but just make sure you just talk to somebody rather than, you know, doing anything silly. I think that's um, an important message to relay um, to anybody who listens to the pod who might be struggling at this time. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage of McDelivery. You win? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.